Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. When talking about extraterrestrials and the idea that there must be intelligent life somewhere out there in the vast universe, people tend to fall on one of two sides. There are those who are unsure And then there's those who say it's impossible that we could be the only planet. I'm Andrew, and thanks for tuning in today for another episode of Scary Mysteries. Personally, I believe there has to be life out there. The universe itself is ever-expanding, and so for me, the idea seems crazy that we're alone. But whether or not they're actually visiting us is a different story. Though the cases on this list today may make a believer out of you, and me, if you're on the fence. Here's five interesting cases of Kentuckians who saw UFOs. Number five, fatal air chase. A couple thousand flight hours and half a dozen medals wasn't enough to prepare a veteran pilot for what he saw over the skies of Kentucky back on January 7, 1948. For Captain Thomas Mantell, in a small outfit, that day they experienced something very strange, and it ended in tragedy. Captain Mantell led a group of three other pilots that day. Flying in F-51D Mustangs, they were heading north from Marietta Air Force Base in Georgia, and on their way back to Louisville's Standiford Field, when he received a reconnaissance request from the Kentucky Air National Guard. The 25-year-old decorated pilot was told to look into an apparent unidentified flying object sighting that had been causing a commotion all across central Kentucky. 
This UFO had been seen by hundreds of witnesses, all claiming that what they saw looked like a flying saucer. Hundreds of calls came into the Kentucky State Police who were overwhelmed by the volume of reports. They reached out to the Fort Knox Military Police who wasted no time in alerting the U.S. Air Force. It just so happened that Mantell's group was in the area conducting a low-altitude navigational training exercise. And so, they were sent to look into the matter. Mantell and two other pilots immediately headed towards the intended target, climbing 15,000 feet into the air to intercept it, with the fourth squad member continuing on course to Standiford Field. Then, about 30 minutes into the chase, Mantell radioed in a report. He and his crew were seeing something unreal as they witnessed the saucer, describing it as being something metallic and of tremendous size. He told headquarters that this thing was moving at speeds faster than he could do and that they were doing their best to track it to get a better look. It wasn't entirely known, but reports indicated that despite the eventual warning from the U.S. Air Force not to push on with the pursuit, the flight leader himself still decided not to quit on this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The other two pilots, though, bailed out. Later investigation said that most likely during the chase, upon reaching critical altitude, Mantell may have blacked out due to a lack of oxygen. As a result, his plane could have gone into a free fall and crashed to the ground, killing him instantly. The incident immediately made the front page of the news cycle, and everyone was asking, what exactly did Mantell encounter, and why did he crash? Well, some said that what he and others may have actually seen was something called a skyhook balloon, which at the time was still a top-secret project. Skyhooks are basically high-altitude balloons used by the Navy for atmospheric research back in the 1950s. But we've all heard a lot about UFOs being balloons, and for my money, I feel like you can tell the difference between the two. Plus, how could a balloon move faster than a fighter jet, as Mantell had mentioned? Other theories came out that he most certainly must have encountered something out of this world. With his curiosity peaked and courage unfettered, he either went hard to find it and crashed, or perhaps the object itself shot him down when they felt threatened. Adding more to the conspiracy of this entire incident, is the fact that the crash happened six months after the famous UFO Roswell crash in New Mexico. However, despite an investigation, to this day, no one knows exactly what those men saw up there or the hundreds of witnesses down below. Number 4. Alien Shootout Pop culture is filled with images of short humanoid creatures with glowing or dark-colored eyes and green skin. They're the little green men, we've all seen them in one form or another, but where'd the idea of little green men come from? Why do we associate them so much with the idea of aliens? Well, it comes from what occurred one evening on a remote farm in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. It was a summer evening of August 21st, 1955. Billy Taylor, a man from Pennsylvania, moved around the country a lot for work walked out to fetch himself a bucket of water from a well located on that lot of land, which was owned by the Sutton family. All of a sudden, then, Taylor saw a silvery-colored flying object cruising through the night sky above, blocking out the stars as it passed. 
It was really bright in the dark and desolate area with an exhaust that produced all the colors of the rainbow. The man recounted that the aircraft flew above the house and the property and stopped midair before dropping straight down to the ground nearby. Taylor ran to Elmer Sutton's house and pleaded with the family about what he had seen, but being a stranger with a fantastical story, no one believed him, and in fact, they were quite alarmed at his presence. But shortly after, their dogs began barking incessantly, and Mr. Sutton decided to go with Taylor to investigate. Armed with a rifle and shotgun, the two men went on to check the perimeter, and it was here that they first laid eyes on the creature. They described it as standing around three and a half feet tall and having a huge oversized head that was almost perfectly round. The creature had arms that extended almost to the ground, and its hands had sharp talons. On its head rest oversized eyes glowing with a yellowish light. The creature's body shimmered in the moonlight and it was as if the whole thing was made of a green lizard-like skin. Terrified, the men raised their weapons and fired at the little man before it fled, scrambling into the darkness. Now back at the house and still reeling from the incident, the men, women, and children of the home were once again stricken with fear when they saw a similarly-looking creature appear in the side window. Instincts drove them to fire through the screen, but... It had little to no effect on the little man who once again vanished into the dark. Then for the next several hours, this continued on. Creatures would appear and then melt away into the night. All along, the Suttons, Taylor, and every able-bodied person in the house were shooting with everything they had at the mysterious figures. Ultimately, though, realizing they couldn't get them, as soon as they had a chance, everyone fled. They then shocked the Hopkinsville police when the Klan literally stormed the station to report what had happened. Authorities immediately rushed to the scene to find countless shell casings from gunshots and bullet holes in the house. Suspecting something else must have occurred other than an alien invasion, police tried to search for proof of heavy drinking or actual human suspects, but they found nada. Police stayed at the property for some time to make sure nothing else was going to happen, or perhaps more likely out of curiosity and to verify the family's story, but when nothing occurred, they eventually left. It was as if the little green men just waited for the police to go because hours after they left, the creatures returned again to torment the family. Word spread like wildfire about what was now being called the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, but For such an extraordinary claim, skeptics couldn't help but dismiss the story as nothing but make-believe by the witnesses. Psychologists said that more than likely the commotion was brought about by the effects of the excitement and mini-mass hysteria that spread among those involved. Whether or not they saw anything at all is still up for debate. But they say they know what they saw, and this particular case, while there isn't proof, is well known among the UFO community and now because of all the little green men we see today, it's known by all of us. Number three, Casey County abduction. January 6, 1976, what was supposed to be a normal night of hanging out with friends, sipping cocktails and having a few laughs, turned into a very strange incident that three women from Liberty, Kentucky would never forget. 
On that evening, Mona Stafford and her two girlfriends had just finished a nice dinner at a restaurant in town. It was almost midnight when they finally headed back home down the dark roads of rural Kentucky. Seemingly though, out of nowhere, a bright red orb appeared in a clearing ahead of them in the night sky. Startled and scared, they were thinking it must be a plane on fire that's coming crashing down, but it never crashed. And then started to move in their direction. Before they could even process what was going on or what this light was, the driver started freaking out, saying she was no longer in control of the car. She let her hands off the wheel and foot off the gas to show them, and sure enough, the car just kept cruising along. At this point, the UFO was now right beside them, and terror was all they could feel, as they watched the enormous, metallic, disc-shaped object almost envelop them. It was so close that they could see its midsection accentuated by a ring of red lights. After that, all that Stafford and her friends could remember was a bright light flooding the entire interior of the car. The next thing they knew, they were at the house of one of the women. They checked the clock and noticed that two hours had gone by when supposedly the trip should only have taken around 25 minutes. They were speechless and checked over their bodies, where each of them found a red irritation mark on the back of their necks. Their eyes were burning intensely, and it was hard to even see for some time. And one of the women, Louise Smith, said that even water hurt so much when she tried to wash her hands and face. After that, the women sought help in remembering what occurred within that missing two-hour time frame. And through hypnosis, they were able to recall seeing shadowy humanoid figures with large heads and wide eyes trying to communicate with them telepathically. Where exactly they were and what they were saying, though, is still unclear. Many believe that the three friends were abducted and brought inside the low-flying UFO. But for what reason precisely, no one knows. So... Either these women decided to make up the story, perhaps to bring attention to themselves, or this did in fact happen, and it's just another in a long line of strange UFO stories that we've heard throughout history that we can dismiss or believe in. Number two, close encounter with sentient beings. Less than a year after the Casey County abduction, yet another strange incident took place in Kentucky, only this time it was in the small town of Prospect. About an hour past midnight on January 27, 1977, 19-year-old Lee Parrish was driving home after hanging out with his girlfriend. By the time he reached Highway 329, that's when he noticed an object hovering just above the tree line, a couple hundred feet off the road. Parrish recalled the object having a perfect rectangular shape measuring around 10 feet wide and 40 feet long. And this craft displayed a color similar to that of the setting sun, only much brighter. You can imagine, in the dead of night, it stuck out and caught the young man's attention. He wanted to stare at it and try, but at the same time, he had to cover his eyes because it was just that bright. He said at one point he felt like he was in a trance and was unable to move throughout the ordeal to the point where he couldn't even remember if he was actually the one controlling his car. After a few minutes, the UFO sped away without making a single sound, and Parrish found himself at his doorstep 
without a clear recollection of how he got there. 45 minutes had gone by, which was kind of confusing since it was just over a five minute drive from his girl's place to his home. And Parrish's mother was taken aback at the sight of her son. His eyes were completely bloodshot and he was dazed, unable to tell her exactly what had happened to him or where he'd been. Similar to the previous story, he too was eventually brought under hypnosis and there he was able to reveal some very strange details. He said he found himself in a circular white room with luminous walls. He couldn't remember how he got there, but what got his attention in there were three large figures standing before him, which he instinctively felt or sensed were sentient beings, but were certainly not human. In his interview, he clearly described the trio as the black one, a red one, and a white one. The black one was the tallest, standing to his left. It roughly resembled the shape of the man on a shooting target, jug-shaped with a relatively small head. The figure had one limb which looked like a handless, one-jointed appendage. The smallest was the red one which stood to his right side and was about the same size as him. Like the black one, it also had one handless and unjointed appendage. Standing right in front of Parrish was the six-footed white figure that had two appendages. And he knew right away that this one was the leader of the trio. Strange things happened thereafter. The black one, for instance, used its arm to touch him, and the contact sent him reeling in pain. The red one seemed a little bit scared and reluctant to touch, but it proceeded to do so. Unlike the first one, the hurt didn't last that long. The two entities backed off from Parrish as soon as they saw the white one made its move. Scared and confused, the Earthling supposedly asked the ETs about their purpose of taking him on board. As confusing as it already was, Parrish felt they were trying to tell him telepathically that they were just checking his chemical and physiological makeup. A UFO enthusiast himself, Parrish strongly believes that the abduction and examination really happened, and whether or not others believe him, he said he could care less. Number 1. Police UFO Showdown Of all the strange things to ever happen in Kentucky, perhaps this supposed showdown between police and an unidentified flying object is the strangest. Around midnight on February 27, 1993, two officers of the Jefferson County Air Unit were doing their routine helicopter patrol around the area when suddenly they caught a glimpse of a glowing pear-shaped object it was about the size of a basketball. Confusion then began to set in when the object began flying in circles around the chopper. That confusion quickly then turned into panic when suddenly the glowing object shot three baseball-sized fireballs out from its midsection. The pair maneuvered to avoid being hit, momentarily losing control of the helicopter. When they tried to check where the UFO was, It was as if it had never been there in the first place. Just poof, up and vanished. An officer in his squad car down on the ground later confirmed that he too saw a balloon-like object and that it fired three shots before disappearing. The story was, even for those who encountered it and witnessed it, unbelievable. 
Newspapers were quick to pick up the story, saying it could have been a meteorite, a lightning ball, or fireball, but they never specifically mentioned that it could have been an alien spacecraft. Others went on to analyze the situation, saying the witnesses could have seen a heavy blanket of snow, a thick cloud cover, or just some atmospheric conditions that led to them seeing these things. So really, apparently it could have been anything, and nothing was making much sense up to this point. But then, a story surfaced from a man who claimed that on that same night, he had been working on launching his homemade hot air balloon. He was using nothing but balsa wood, birthday candles, and a plastic bag, and he successfully lifted it off into the air. When it flew farther than he expected, he decided to just let it go. Unbeknownst to him, his improvised tiny hot air balloon may have created a serious stir in his town. Still, upon hearing this explanation, despite feeling relieved, the two Jefferson County Air Unit officers weren't buying that this is what they saw. And in fact, they were even more convinced that it was indeed a UFO that they encountered. For them, there was no way a plastic bag and six candles could possibly fly at a speed the same as their helicopter, let alone shoot out three fireballs. Still today, though, there are no sure answers this anomaly continues to baffle the people of Kentucky and the world alike. So there were five interesting cases of Kentuckians who saw UFOs. Let me know if you liked this episode and maybe I can look into other state stories with UFOs and cover those. Appreciate you guys tuning in today. I'll see you in the next one.